Amen. Is that the Lord that we serve? Is the God who still does miracles today? Would you give him praise one more time? He's worthy of it. He's so good. And I just want to greet you. Thank you so much for uh, being with us on this Palm Sunday. It's an honor to, to see you in God's house. And I see some new faces, and we just want to welcome you. And I'd love to ask you if you would take time to fill out a connection card. Uh, they look like that on the screen. And if you would just uh, be willing to give us as much information as you're comfortable, uh, we would love to connect with you and just thank you for being with us in worship today. And also remember, you can use the, the backsides of these four uh, prayer requests. And every Saturday at 9, we meet for prayer and uh, we pray over the needs all week, but then we meet corporately. And you're always invited. Our prayer gathering's been growing and God has been answering prayer. Amen. And uh, let me also remind you, we've got a few different ways that you can give here at Lakeview. You can use the uh, website at lakeviewpeople.com slash give. Uh, you can use the text to give number that's on the screen and that that lady's apparently very excited about. And uh, <laughs> you can also use our church app. Uh, we've got an app on Church Center. So if you'll download the Church Center app and then search for Lakeview Church, you'll find us there, or you can search by your location. Either way, we push out a lot of information through the app, and so uh, if, if you don't know how to do it, ask your grandchildren or ask Clint, and they'll help you, and uh, we're, we're just glad to have that option. We've also got offering envelopes. We don't pass a plate here. Just as you give, uh, there's offering boxes by the doors for your convenience. Thank you for your faithfulness, and it's letting us do some great things. We've got some great things coming up this week. Of course, this week is leading up to just one of the, the most reverent, most awesome times of year, which is uh, Easter Sunday, or as I like to call it, Resurrection Sunday, because we ain't just celebrating bunnies and eggs, amen. And I'm so thankful for the miracle of Jesus and, and his resurrection power. And I'm going to be sharing a message entitled, When Only a Miracle Will Do. And that's what this whole series has kind of been leading up to, is, is this message that uh, how much we need Jesus, and that even when we get to that point, there's always hope in Jesus Christ. And I also want to invite you uh, the day before on Saturday, April the 8th, uh, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., we're hosting our Easter Carnival. So that Saturday, we're going to have a big outreach event. It's designed for pre-K through fifth grade. We got tired as a leadership team. We decided we're not going to stuff 20,000 Easter eggs and have them vacuum those up in about 20 seconds. So we're actually going to have game booths, carnival booths with the eggs. We do have about 20,000 eggs, uh, and we still are stuffing more this week. But uh, it, it's going to be a great time happening here in Iowa Park and in Vernon. We've already got a lot of people that have registered to help. But we could still use some more help. If you would like be interested, you can sign up online at lakeviewpeople.com slash Easter. You can scroll down, and there's a, a form there to volunteer. And if you'd like to help here or Vernon, either one, it'd be awesome. Could I ask you to join me at this time? Would you put your hands together for our Vernon campus, those watching with us online and from Vernon? God bless y'all for being with us to our online campus, our Vernon campus. And uh, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do next week. And I want to ask you to invite somebody. Easter is the uh, day of the year where people are most likely to come to church. And we've actually adjusted our service times next week. So actually, this service will be 15 minutes earlier 
so make sure and remember that it'll be at 11 a.m. Our early service will be at 9 a.m. So we're going to shift those service times to 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Because we're actually making room. We're not ready yet, but in case we have to add another service at some point, we're kind of strategically moving things around. Because look at all you people. And our nurseries are getting full. Our kids' church is getting full. Anybody glad to see people getting saved in the church growing? It's awesome. So just forewarning, we're moving some things around, but it's for a good reason. And so starting next Sunday, our service times will be 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Some people came this morning at 9 a.m. because they started, thought it happened this week. It's the first time they've ever, ever made it to church on time in their life. It was amazing. So I'm going to tell them the rapture is an hour before it is, too, so they'll make it on time. But this morning, we're going to uh, step into part five of this message series entitled God of Miracles. And this morning's title is Recovery of Sight. And before I ask you to pray for the message, I want to thank you. I'm, I'm looking at so many people who have prayed so faithfully for my family uh, for many months now. Uh, I announced to the church back in the, the fall about my brother-in-law, Doug, uh, who got a, a cancer diagnosis. And yesterday, uh, he actually got his promotion to heaven. And, and while I'm sad for us down here, uh, church, he's doing better than any of us are doing. And so I'm, I'm a little jealous of him, to be honest. But I want to thank you for your prayers. Please continue to pray for uh, my sister, for his children, and grandkids, just all the family. He's just very loved. He's a very special guy. And that's why I'm making sure I go to heaven so I can see him again. Anybody with me on that? And in talking about this topic, recovery of sight, I can't help but think of the amazing things that he is seeing today. And my brother-in-law did have a funny sense of humor. He was hilarious, actually. Uh, he was very, very uh, honorable, but he was just very funny. And I think it's uh, no coincidence he chose to go to heaven on April Fool's Day so that when we posted it, people wondered if we were telling the truth or not. <laughs> That's just Doug. And uh, I just want to thank you again for your prayers and your love. I want to ask you now to pray with me. And would you just bow your heads, bow your hearts, and let's ask God to anoint this time. Father, thank you for these people gathered in your name and for your presence here. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would just cause the word to come alive and let it find good soil in our hearts. We speak against distraction or discouragement that would try to steal the truth of your word. And we just right now give this time to you and want to hear from you and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So our hope through this series is that, you know, you would have gained a greater understanding of the character of God. Is anybody in here glad that God does not change even when society does? That's one of the things we want you to see. His attributes, who he is, they're, they're unchanging. Uh, he, he's not up for election or approval. He is God, always, constant. We also wanted to, to just reveal the present-day ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And did you know, historically speaking, 2023 fits in forever so Jesus is still doing Jesus things today. Come on, somebody. He is still our Savior. He's still our healer. He's still our Lord. And we also want to recognize and reverence the compassion of God that is shown in these accounts of miracles in Scripture. And maybe most importantly for us as believers is the part that we play now in sharing the gospel with the world. And so 
Today, I want to read one more time our key scripture that we've read these five weeks, Psalm 77, where it says, You are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. Amen. God still demonstrates his miracle working power. But this verse creates some lofty, some high expectations because it is when we believe that he is the God of miracles that we will see him demonstrate his miracle working power. I want to just make sure you understand God is always going to be God. That's never the question. The question is, will we as God's people trust him to do what only he can do in our world and in our lives? Today is Palm Sunday, the day of Christ's triumphal uh, trip through Jerusalem, his entry where he rode on the donkey and uh, he was, was you know, joyful. They were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and it all seemed good. How many of you know sometimes things can look good on the outside in your life, but there's a lot of difficulty going on behind the scenes? And Jesus had told his disciples that before he would you know, come into his glory like, like he was destined to do, that first of all, he was going to be rejected. He told them he would be rejected by the, the Jewish hierarchy, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, that he would be betrayed into the hands of the, the Romans, into the Gentiles, and that he would even be betrayed by one of his closest followers. He told them that. So we need to know if we want to be like Jesus and we want to follow Jesus, following in his footsteps means some of those footsteps may be difficult. Some things may be hard. He always was honest and upfront about that. He told them that ultimately he'd be crucified on a Roman cross in between two common thieves. And so as he walked towards Jerusalem, he was actually moving towards his destiny with death. I want us to think about that and remember that this morning. Upon Golgotha's hill, or as we call it, Calvary. And on this journey, Jesus was surrounded by people who did not understand really who he was or what he was actually doing. So I need you to know that when God calls you to do something, everybody else may not understand that calling, and that's okay. That we do these things under the Lord, and that God can use that. God used that even out of that confusion and people not understanding, used the life of his son Jesus to change history forever to change all of our lives eternally because God is always going to see to it that his word is fulfilled. And I want to talk to you about scripture fulfilled for just a few moments because all throughout these miracles we've been uh, reading and studying through this series, we've seen how the miracles of Jesus reflected the prophecies of the Messiah and they were fulfilled time and time again, whether it was the feeding of the 5,000, even the fish with the coin in its mouth that we talked about last Sunday, all of them pointed to who he was, his authority and his position in prophecy as the Messiah. And I want you to look at Luke chapter four with me. Verses 18 and 19, and, and also a little bit of verse 21, where Jesus is speaking, and he actually quotes one of the prophecies about himself. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and finally, he, he, in verse 21, begins by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
He was letting them know all this stuff you've been hearing about for such a long time is starting to happen. Anybody else notice that a lot of Bible prophecy about Jesus returning, we're starting to see it be fulfilled today. And that's kind of how he was saying it. He was like, it is fulfilled today, but this is only the beginning, he was letting them know. This is the beginning of it being fulfilled. So all those things that he said about setting the oppressed free and healing blinded eyes and opening deaf ears, he said all these things are happening, but they're going to keep on happening. Anybody believe God is still moving in the world today? And too often times, we'll pay attention to how the devil's moving and not give enough credit to how the Lord is moving. And y'all, anything the devil can do, God can do greater. Amen? I really believe that. So when you see a bunch of darkness, when you see evil just starting to rear its ugly head, saints, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid of that. That ain't even close to what our Heavenly Father is capable of. So if the enemy's that strong, oh my goodness, how great, how strong, how awesome and mighty is our God. And he's the ultimate authority. Praise God. So so as we look at this scripture that Jesus was, was talking about himself, the prophecy that he was fulfilling, the sad reality is a lot of the Jews were blind to who he was. That even though he taught them, you know, the words of life and gave them these miraculous demonstrations, you can see a whole bunch of stuff. You can hear a whole bunch of stuff and still not really understand who God is. Even his own disciples weren't really clear about who he was and what he came to do. Even though he had told them many times, you know, they, they thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government and set up, you know, an army or a kingdom. And yes, they believed that he was the Messiah and, and the Christ and even the Son of God. But I don't believe they ever really grasped it, what that really would all truly mean. Here's what I want you to know that we can know about Jesus. If you'll write this down, Jesus was the anointed one by the will of the God of miracles. He was anointed for something very special and very specific. And that's what we honor and and celebrate at this season of the resurrection. In Acts chapter 10 verse 38 it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Now, Jesus was anointed. And did you know the Bible says that we have been anointed? Jesus is the one who baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. And it says here that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit. He's anointed us with the same Spirit. Did you know the Word of God says the very same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us? It does. We need to decide whether or not we believe that. God has not changed. God's word has not changed. But the people of God need to decide. We say we want to see God move. Then it's time for God's people to get moving. Come on, somebody. Because everywhere Jesus went, he went about doing good. And healing all who were, were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And I believe God is with us today. God is with you, church. And I want you to see that more and more clearly Going back to Palm Sunday, on the days leading up to this Palm Sunday, the roads of Jerusalem would have been packed with thousands of of pilgrims making their way uh, to uh, Jerusalem. And the road through Jericho was one of the main routes to the temple where people would go at this time of year to worship. 
And the people would have crowded around the roads to see Jesus as he passed by. So the roads would have been very crowded. And on this day, a divine encounter happened that we're going to study as we talk about recovery of sight. We're going to be introduced to a man called Blind Bartimaeus. And some people ask me, they said, is it pronounced Bartimaeus or Bartimaeus? Look, some people pronounce it Bartimaeus, but some people are wrong. I say Bart- I think either one is fine, but I've always said Bartimaeus because it goes with the song. And so that's how I'm going to say it. But we pick up his story in Mark chapter 10. He's a real man. This is not a myth. This really happened. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says, now they, they being Jesus and his followers, came to Jericho. Just a little side note. I think it's kind of neat. Bartimaeus, we're about to read about, is blind. And how many of you know, oftentimes when people lose their sight, their other senses become heightened. Their sense of hearing, their sense of smell, so that they can navigate things a little bit better. Jericho means to smell, or a place of fragrance. And I just think it's kind of interesting that the man who could not see was on this road to to Jericho in a place, uh, it was a city of fragrant plants, that's how, how it was made. And it said as He, Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples and with a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of uh, Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard, and I underline this, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. And this is so good. This is so big. When he heard about it, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. And I would like to think that people would see a blind man wanting help and they would want to help him. But it says, then many warned him to be quiet. Can I just tell you, not everybody's going to want to help you in this old world. And not everybody who even should help you is going to help you. But please don't blame God for that. That wasn't Jesus' fault. It wasn't God's fault. That's just people's fault. And so we have to be like this man and not be discouraged if people try to discourage us. Because they warned him to be quiet, but the Bible says that he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And then something powerful happened. So Jesus stood still. This man's cries reached not only the ears of Christ, but the heart of the Messiah. And he stopped. And commanded him to be called. So this man called out to Jesus. Now Jesus was calling out to him. What a beautiful picture of our Savior. Then they called the blind man. Oh, now they're going to call him. (laughs) Saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise. He is calling you. And throwing aside his garment. Remember that he does this. We're going to talk about it later. Throwing aside his garment. He rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Wow. And immediately he received his sight. And also what he did is important. He didn't just receive his sight and leave. And he followed Jesus on the road. This should be a picture of of our goal in following Christ. There's three characteristics of this miracle that I want us to walk through. 
in this message. Number one, if you'll write this down, first characteristic was Bartimaeus' condition. His condition. A condition is always a prerequisite for a miracle. A lot of people say they want to see a miracle, but that means you've got to be in a situation that you need a miracle. And we don't always understand what we're saying. What a lot of people are saying is they want to see a magic trick. They want God to just prove himself to them. God ain't got to prove himself to none of us. And a miracle is something so beautiful and powerful, we shouldn't let it become just a plaything or something that we just take lightly. And, and this man, Bartimaeus, he had a condition that needed a miracle. Here were the two parts of his condition. If you'll write this down, first of all, he was blind. This is the most obvious condition that he was in. He was blind. Being blind, it, it causes other sights to be hit, heightened probably, especially his hearing. Remember, that's how he knew Jesus was there, was he heard that Jesus was nearby. And I need you to hear this, church. Your testimony matters so much. Your example for Jesus, it matters so much because this man was blind. He couldn't even see that it was Jesus who was passing him by. There are so many people in this world that are spiritually blinded and they need to hear somebody say, there's a better way than the way this world offers. There's a better way than living in your sin, living in your regret, living in your depression, living in your defeat. And that way is Jesus. But the Bible says, how will they hear unless somebody speaks unless somebody preaches and that's not just talking about a man with a microphone on a Sunday it's talking about anyone who is called to declare the word of God and that's any follower of Jesus and because of those people letting it known it says they were excited because they knew Jesus was near can I tell you it's okay for the church to get excited about Jesus and that should not be a denominational divide. That shouldn't be a denom- be like, well, that's not the way we believe. We believe we should not move. We're in a staring contest with God. I mean, that's sweet and all. And, and some people, that's just their personality. That's fine. And I don't blame them if that's your personality. But y'all, if we can get excited for the Dallas Cowboys who ain't won nothing, come on, somebody. We ought to be able to get excited for the Savior who won the victory over death hell in the grave. If you can't get excited about Jesus, I don't know what to do for you. We shouldn't have to sing the right song. I shouldn't have to preach the right thing. It's all about Jesus, somebody. And I tell you, if we'll get excited, how can we expect this world to change if we won't change? If we don't get excited. And if you look miserable, why would they want what you got? It's the truth. It's the truth. This man, Bartimaeus, realized the people, there was a fervor, there was an an expectancy, and he wanted to be part of it. Even though he was blind, he could hear, he could see. And the second part of his condition is not as obvious, but it's just as significant. He was a beggar. He was blind, but he was also a beggar. He had resigned himself to the fact that because of his condition, he couldn't do anything more with his life than beg. And there's too many people, even believers, that because we have our struggles, we let that not only overwhelm us, but it starts to redefine us. That now not only is he blind, he's also a beggar. And there's so many people that that are so precious and so loved by God, and you haven't realized who you really are yet. You're blind to who you really are, and so you think you're all this other stuff. You're just a beggar. You're you're not worthy to ask God. Good things happen for other people. God answers other people's prayers, but not me. 
I've done too much bad, or I'm just, I wasn't born in the right family, or I don't pray the right way. Whatever lie the enemy tries to tell us, we want to correct that this morning in the name of Jesus. As we receive our sight, let us see who we actually are in Christ Jesus. The thing beyond his condition that I want you to see was, number two, Bartimaeus' outcry. He knew he had a condition, but he knew he had to get some help. And we all need to come to this point where we say, look, am I just going to stay the same or am I going to try something different? Well, I reach out to God. As he sat there begging that day and he heard the crowds go by, he heard the excited voices of the people. In the book of Luke, there's an account of this same interaction, Luke chapter 18. We're actually told that Bartimaeus asked, what does this all mean? What's going on? And someone told him Jesus was passing by and he immediately cried out. As soon as he heard Jesus was there, he said, I got to get help from him. He's the only one that can help me. And there are three parts of his cry that I want to define for us. And I want you to, to, to follow along and see. First of all, it was a desperate cry. When he heard that Jesus was there, he got desperate. It was not hopeless. Please see the difference. Some people cry, and they're not crying for help. They're just crying because they've gotten used to crying. This was a desperate. It's a sad thing. They say that babies will come to a point where if no one responds to their cry, they'll quit crying because they don't believe anybody will help them. A lot of studies have shown this. And I'm afraid spiritually a lot of believers have fallen in that place where because they think their prayer didn't get answered the way it should have been answered, they think God didn't hear them. And that's not true. And I tell you, when you're desperate, you don't care how many times you've said it before. You don't care how many times you've prayed it before. We know God is the only one who can help us. And I'm not going to let anybody hold us back from it. And from this context that we just read, it's obvious Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus before. Or else why would he have even been excited that Jesus was there? So even though he lived you know, a life of a blind beggar, his hope was starting to be rekindled. Dare I say his only hope, his real hope, was starting to actually come to light. And Jesus was going to pass through Jericho. When Jesus arrived, he wasn't able to see him, but casting out all of his inhibitions saying, I don't care what I look like or sound like, i got to get this guy's attention. In verse uh, 48, or right in this chapter we read, it says that he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And verse 48 says that many people tried to stop him, but the more they tried to stop him, the louder he cried out again and again. It was in desperation that he cried out. He said, I've got to get to Jesus and church, I just need to tell you that the enemy of this world is trying to silence the church in our society. They're trying to say, you can't speak against sin or that's hate speech. You're not tolerant. You're not whatever. That's a lie of the enemy. And look, we don't need to be mean, but we need to speak the truth in love. The, the way that I've heard it said is that we, you know, we, we believe in grace and truth. And truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. You're not telling them, you know, just if you want to say, sure, do whatever you want to do. Be whoever you want to be. No, be who God has called you to be. That's the truth. And there really is a, a heaven. There really is a hell. And it doesn't matter how you feel on this earth. It matters where you're going to be in eternity. And so we've got to quit worrying about hurting people's feelings because the enemy has got them so deceived and so lied to that 
We, we've got to get desperate to say, I don't care if people tell us to be quiet. We've got to speak the truth, and people need to hear about Jesus. The next thing about this cry, this outcry of Bartimaeus, it was desperate and it was distinct. It was very specific. He may have been blind, but he recognized something about Jesus that a lot of other people didn't see. He had come to see that Jesus was the Messiah. That's why he addressed him as the son of David. That was actually a messianic title. You would not say that about someone unless they were the Messiah. And since he believed he was the Messiah, he believed that Jesus could heal his blindness. What would make him uh, think this of Jesus? We looked at the miracle of hearing and speaking a few weeks ago. If you remember, it was prophesied from Isaiah 35. It was a messianic prophecy about Jesus. and, And it said that he would heal deaf and those that were deaf and mute and open blinded eyes. Bartimaeus would have heard this his whole life. It was part of his culture. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people that have grown up in church and they've heard things about God, but there's a different thing to just hearing about God and really experiencing him for yourself. That's why we say we want people to know God for themselves, to know him personally, because it changes everything when God changes you. Look at Isaiah 35. This is part of that prophecy And it said, and when he, the Messiah, comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. So Bartimaeus made the connection and believed Jesus was the Messiah and that the Messiah would open his blind eyes. It was a distinct cry of faith directed toward the Messiah. He was basically saying, I've tried religion, it didn't work. I've tried my own way, I've been begging, I'm not making it, I need Jesus. And we need to get desperate with our cry and distinct with our cry to say, Jesus is the only one who can help me, I'm not turning to anybody else, I'm not listening to anybody else, I've got to get to Jesus. And when we get that distinct, it can change things. And it changed his whole life. In fact, it led him to this next step of his outcry, which is the word devoted. This outcry was desperate, it was distinct, and it was also devoted. In light of his revelation of Jesus as the Messiah, Bartimaeus was now devoted to Jesus. He said, he's the real thing, and I'm really going to be committed to him. He had no right to demand anything of Jesus. But he knew he needed something that only Jesus could provide. So he cried out to him and he asked for a word. He said, have mercy on me, son of David. That word mercy is very specific. There's a reason he used that word. In fact, the biblical definition to give mercy is to give help to someone who is in a wretched condition. Now, I need you to see this. The person is in a wretched condition. They're not wretched. Their condition just needs to change. Too many people just believe that you're wretched. You may have been wretched before Jesus found you. But is anybody glad that anyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation? You're not not defined by your past condition, by your past situation, by your past sins and errors. The blood of Jesus washes us completely clean. And I tell you, we need to start believing that about ourselves and one another. We sometimes... We don't believe people can change. We say God can change anybody, but not my neighbor. God can change anybody, but not my relative. You know what I'm saying? God can change anybody, but not my ex. Come on, somebody. Don't point fingers. 
Bartimaeus understood things would be completely different. And so he wanted help from his condition, and so he cried out all the more. And that led to number three, which was Bartimaeus' recovery. And now it's right here that we get to a, a change point, a, a differing point in this account. Because up until this point, it was a lot about what Bartimaeus was doing. He wasn't willing to be silenced by others. He wasn't afraid to, to just say, I believe in Jesus. He is the Messiah. Even though the religious Jews were saying he was a false prophet and all these lies, he said, I know who he is and I know that he's the only one that can help me. He wasn't afraid to be distinct and desperate in his cries. And, and he was devoted to the Lord. And all this led up to a point. But how many of you know there's a point in, our, in the, the working of a miracle. We come to a point where only God can take care of things. We've done everything we can do, and now we're to the point where only God can do what we need done. And in his recovery, there's two things that Jesus did that only Jesus could do. First of all, it happened with Jesus' question to Bartimaeus. I just think it's so awesome how Jesus stops and calls out for him to come. And in verse 50, it says, Bartimaeus cast away his coat and this was such an act of faith to discard his coat, his garment, as some translations say. Here's why. Culturally, beggars wore a specific kind of garment to identify themselves. That they were receiving alms, they were begging for money. So this identified him as a beggar. And before this man ever even received his sight, he said, if Jesus would call for me, I don't have to call myself a beggar anymore. And I want somebody to get a hold of this truth that when Jesus identifies you, you don't have to wonder about your identity anymore. This world is so confused. They're so misled that they think they're their past. They think they're their mistake. We think we're identified by our urges or, or our desire. Any of these things are lies. We are who God created us to be and we are who Jesus calls us to be. Then this man said, I'm not a beggar anymore. I don't have to identify with my pain or my past anymore. So many Christians, you get saved and you still think of yourself as an addict. I'm so thankful for, you know, NA and AA, they do well. But one problem I have is they want you to always introduce yourself and say, hello, my name is, and I'm an addict of this. The thing I love about ministry like Celebrate Recovery, you need to come every Tuesday at 630 if you want to really see some recovery happen in your life, is you don't identify with that old self anymore. You say, hello, I've got a new name written down in glory, and I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's who I used to be. This is who God has called me to be. And it's, you can walk in freedom. So Jesus has this question, and they wouldn't even ask it. Bartimaeus is like, I'm so ready to get some change in my life. I'm so sick of the way I've been living my life. I'm not even going to identify with that. I'll get rid of it all to get to Jesus. And then Jesus asks him this question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And I think this is similar to the question Christ asks all of us. When we first respond to his call. Mark records that Bartimaeus replies, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. It's the same answer that everybody who comes to Christ should, should ultimately give, spiritually speaking. Help me to see. To see my real condition. To see my real motivation. What's actually motivating us? Are we wanting to follow Jesus or are we just wanting to get to go to heaven? 
There's a lot of people that want to go to heaven that don't want to follow Jesus. Big difference. And it can even, God can even help us see our real need, the real truth of what we need. Did you know I have asked God for a lot of things that I'm glad he didn't give me? A lot of relationships that I prayed for, I'm glad God said no. Because if some of them would have been answered, I wouldn't be married to this lovely lady who led us so powerfully in worship earlier. Can I just tell you, God knew a whole lot better than I did. And I'm glad I waited on his timing and listened to him when he said no. Did you know that God saying no is never a bad answer? It may not be what we want to hear, but that don't make it bad. So Jesus asked this question and Bartimaeus responded honestly. He said, I want to see. And immediately Jesus gave him something else. This was Jesus' command. So two parts of Bartimaeus' recovery were Jesus' question and Jesus' command. And what he told him was, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And his way became a new way. As Bartimaeus began to follow Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the same way that all who truly encounter Jesus should go following in his footsteps. And there's only two things that can keep us from following Jesus. And let's talk about those two kinds of blindness in conclusion to this morning's message. Number one is spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. There are people all around us who can see just fine with their physical eyes, but they cannot see with their spiritual eyes. It's just like in the the account of Christ living on the earth. Many people actually saw him physically and did not recognize that he was the Messiah because they, they were blind spiritually. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 that Satan, who is the God of this world, notice this is what the Bible says about Satan. He's the God of this world. Now, it's lowercase g because he's not the God. But Satan has been given a certain amount of authority in this world. The Bible says it in many uh, places. This is just one of them. And that he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. But now, can I just say something here? The Bible also says that he has given his followers authority over Satan. Did you know the Bible says that? Why do we sometimes find it easier to believe that Satan has authority than that followers of Jesus have authority over him? I'm tired of him having all the fun. I'm tired of him getting in the way of the body of Christ. The Bible says no weapon that's formed against us shall prosper, that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. This is all talking about the church. This is all after Jesus has gone on to heaven. It says that, you know, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. So while he's the God of this world, he's blind to these eyes. It says they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. I had someone just recently uh, challenge me and said, I don't understand how you can preach about a God. How do you even believe in something, a God you can't even see? That same person, I didn't say it to be rude or mean, it's just the truth. I said, I find it more confusing how you can see a person who is biologically a man, and because they tell you they're a woman, you'll believe they're a woman, and you can't believe that I believe in a creator God. Amen. To me, that's, that takes more faith to believe that. Y'all, there's no science to back it up. It's biologically dishonest for someone to say. And, and y'all, 
Let's quit going by our feelings. Anybody else, your feelings got you in trouble before? Yeah, I've had a lot of urges in my life that weren't good for me. So you say, but I'm attracted. I have these urges. Yeah, if I followed my urges, I would eat Taco Bell five times a day. And I would have had a bad health issues in my 20s. You know what I'm saying? Following our urges is not who we need to follow. We need to follow Jesus Christ and his word. But so many people are blinded. And so many people are so sensitive now. I think it's because they're blind. They can't see and they keep running into things. So they're annoyed. They're frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever tried to walk through a dark room and you ran into something with your shin? Doesn't that make you just want to praise the Lord? Can I tell you, it's time for the church to get bold. Because people are in darkness. And this generation is being lied to worse than any generation I've ever seen. And they're falling for it because they don't even know the Bible. And church, that's on us. That's on some godly parents and some godly grandparents in the church to step up and disciple them. Because it says that Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So they won't even hear it. They don't even want to hear it. They're blind to it. They're unable to see the deception of sin, and they're unable to see the consequences. That's what the enemy does. They don't see the horrible consequences. Have you ever seen someone trapped in addiction, and it's like they don't realize what the damage it's doing to their body? They don't understand the turmoil it's causing their family and their loved ones. It's because they're blinded. And look, if I saw a blind person, I'm not going to make fun of them because they fell into a ditch. I would hope that believers, that Christians, would want to help those that are blinded. We'd want to try to get them back on the right path. So we need to be careful how we address these people. They're they're spiritually blinded. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And I tell you, sometimes when I watch the news, I want to wrestle against flesh, and I want to make some blood. Anyway, that's mean. But that's not what we're called to do. We need to be like Christ. And we need to be willing to... Help those that are blinded. And now, these people, they need the light of the good news. They're unable to see the message of the glorious Christ, the Messiah. And they need a gospel messenger empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's where we come in. is to share this message with them. And I'll tell you a big reason a lot of people don't share the gospel who are Christians. is because of this second type of blindness that I think is even more dangerous. And that is religious blindness. We have gotten so super spiritual, we think we're better than people. We forget, yes, I'm a new creation, but I I remember who I was before Jesus. And I'm so glad that he came and found me. I'm so glad that while I was once blind, now I see. You would think that would cause us to have compassion on people who are in that blinded state. Instead of just aggravation at them. I I get frustrated. Y'all, can I be honest with you? I have trouble praying for some people. I really do. I'm a pastor. I'm just letting you know. Some people make me so upset, so mad. Some of them are leaders in our country right now. And did you know the Bible command? Listen to this. God slapped me in the face. The Bible commands us to pray for those in authority over us. It doesn't say for those that we like. And look, I tried to get around it. I was like, Lord, send the fleas of a thousand camels to their armpits. But that's not how he told me to pray. I need to pray for them. And I don't want us to fall into this religious blindness where we start to think that there are people that that God doesn't love them anymore because we're mad at them or we've given up on them. 
Aren't you glad God doesn't give up on people like we do? Satan is the author of this kind of blindness also, this religious blindness. And it's, it, while it is spiritual blindness also, it's a different kind. And in fact, I, I believe it may be blindness in its darkest form, biblically speaking. Look at John chapter 9, where it says, Then Jesus told him, I entered the world to render judgment. So that's what Jesus is going to do. This is why we need to warn people. Because there is going to be a judgment. And nobody can stand in your place for you. Nobody gives an account. You can't blame it on, well, they lied to me. You've had the truth of God's word. And you believed a lie. Oh, well, everybody else was doing it. All the, all the celebrities said that this was the right thing to do. And it was so compassionate. There's no compassion letting people go to hell. Jesus said, I entered the world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, to show those, here's the danger, this is religious blindness, to show those who think they see that they're blind. He goes on to say that some of the Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? They're the religious people, right? They're perfect, they think. And he says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Bartimaeus knew he needed help. He knew he was blind. It's more dangerous to not realize it. And I'm afraid this is really bad in our part of the world. We live not only in the Bible belt, but the Bible belt buckle. And there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians that are not following Jesus. And that term, they're, they're misrepresenting the kingdom of God even. And we need to change, church. It's on us. You know, the Bible says so many times that if my people will humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. We keep getting mad at all the sinners. God said, I called y'all to change first. We need to set the example. We don't want to remain guilty because we claim we can see when we're actually blinded by religion or just philosophy, whatever. In Matthew 6, 23... Jesus says this, but when your eye is unhealthy, look at how serious this is. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And the light you think you have is actually darkness. How deep is that darkness? There are entire church movements, religion, like denominational groups that are saying, uh, we need to adjust the word of God because that talking about that sin is running people off. We're not trying to run people off by talking about sin, but sin is a real thing. And if you don't have the blood of Jesus to forgive your sins, you will spend eternity in hell. Not because I said it, but because God's word says it. So it doesn't matter. We've got to get over worrying about hurting people's feelings and worry about their eternity. Do you really care about people? Are you going to let the news media and culture define the truth for you or will you let God's word define what is really true because so many people think they've got the oh well I'm a good person I'm so much more tolerant than those Christians God bless you you're believing a lie and how deep that darkness is because not only are you deceived you're spreading those lies to other people and we need to be so careful we need to be so careful that we only speak the truth of God's word Here's the final truth I want to leave you for this series is that the God of miracles will rescue the humble. And there's a scripture, it's not in your notes. If you want to write it down, it's Romans 12, 3. It says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. 
And this is because of the privilege and authority God has given Paul to write these words. He said, I give each of you a warning. This is recorded so it could be a warning to us today. Don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And man, this is the most freeing thing to realize that God is the one who does all the miracles. We don't have to do any of it. We just have to trust him. And he will rescue the humble. I want to ask the worship team to come at this time and and the prayer team to come as well. And would everybody stand with me? I'm going to read one last verse of scripture before we pray this morning. And I ask the worship team just to, to close us out by leading us in worship. But if you need prayer in this place, if you need God to do something in your life, You may have people that come to mind that are spiritually blinded, and we would like to pray with you in agreement for them. Souls are at stake, saints. Let's not be in too much of a hurry or too prideful to to pray for one another, to pray for our loved ones. And if you're dealing with pride and you say, you know what, I think I've been religiously blinded, and I, I need to repent of that. Again, don't let pride keep you from the power that God wants you to have, to be free, to be living a life that changes other people's lives. 2 Samuel, verse 28 and 29 of chapter 22, it says, You rescue the humble, but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them. O Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. And here's the way the Lord put it on my heart to say this, to give this challenge. There's some men and women in here that you're not being honest with yourself. I don't know who you are. God just put this burden on my heart. So I'm not going to call you out. I can't call you out. But God's trying to call to you right now. Not to embarrass you. Not to humiliate you. But to free you. Of admitting. Of being able to admit. Hey I'm struggling. And I've been trying to just look the part. Anybody tired of just trying to look the part. And you want to be part of what God is doing in this world. Then I'm going to pray over you. And if you have a prayer need for anything. Don't let pride get in the way. If you need to pray for somebody else or you need to pray for yourself, don't let the enemy lie to you and say, everybody's going to watch you walk down there to the front. There's nothing magic about walking up here, but there's something powerful about taking a step of faith. So whatever your need is, if it's for you or somebody else, we want to pray for you. And the devil wants you to know, he's like those voices saying, quiet down. There's not time. You're just bothering them. You've prayed for that before. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Let's move in the name of Jesus and let God move in our lives. As I pray, they're going to worship. Would you move? If you need prayer for anything, I'd love just to lay hands on you, come into agreement. Would you move boldly right now? If you need prayer for yourself or somebody else, let's move and let God move in this place. Lord, I thank you for your word that says you still do miracles today. I thank you for these men and women of God that are so bold to to come forward now, God, to say we need you. God, we won't believe the lies. We won't believe the discouragement of the enemy. We're saying I got to get to Jesus. I got to reach you, Lord. And God, I pray you meet these people right where they're at in the name of Jesus. As we sing unto you, God, now I just ask Holy Spirit for you to move in a mighty way in this place. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, would you join with them? And let's just worship the Lord for a while while these folks are praying. And if you need prayer, come at any time and we'll pray with you. God bless you.